Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. How are you? You're at the spot, the place, the location where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp. There she is. And the responses are never dull. Today we have Pamela O'Neill from Ontario, Canada. I love Canadians. I do. They're a different breed. I know when I went there, I wasn't the black lady. I was the American. <laughs> <laughs> put a whole different spin on things I didn't know how to act but I love it I love the culture I love the people I love the Tim Horn uh Tim uh Horny Tim Donuts Tim Horton Donuts Horns, yeah but also I love the philosophy and and the the peaceful nature of the people and Pamela's going to talk to us a little bit about that and mental health I you know that's one of my favorite topics to cover on the show because anything I can do to help you teach you motivate you school you I'm here to do you know, I want to be that conduit of information. So I only bring you the best and the brightest. And here she is. Let's welcome her to the show. How are you doing today, Pamela? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you, April. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm glad to have you. Absolutely. Tell me brains a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Sure. So yeah, I'm a mental health coach and I'm an author of a new book called Speaking Up About a Mental Health Crisis. Uh, so I just launched that in October of 2023. And yeah, now I'm on this coaching journey, just started. Uh, yeah, but I'm helping to end the stigma of mental health worldwide. That is my mission. Well, girl, you got a big undertaking because, you know, it's hard to understand regular health, much less mental health, because you can't see it. And each person's going to react differently. I mean, we all might get a, an abrasion or a burn and we're going to treat it the same way. But that's not it with mental capacity. We don't know how deep somebody's into it. But I just went to a great uh, mastermind course, and one of the uh, top facilitators there was an instructor talking about post-traumatic stress disorder and just really sometimes uh, just stepping back, taking a nap, and eating a snack <laughs> could do wonders for you. What was the thing that really kind of um, got you to a point where it was manageable? Yeah, so I've had uh, mental health um, issues in my family. So I've dealt with mental health through my entire life. Uh, so I've, yeah, I've had, I've learned different coping mechanisms, you know, throughout my entire life, how, you know, to manage my anxiety uh, and, you know, the, the anxiety of others when they're in a bad space. Um, and yeah, through my work, um, I've, yeah, come across a lot of people with depression and that's actually, um, I suffered with depression myself, uh, for a time. And so, yeah, um, for me, writing was very cathartic. I, I journaled a lot. Um, I've always been a writer because I have a background in communications and I used to be a community reporter. Oh. Um, so writing has always been something that I love to do. And so, yeah, that's um, really what got me through a lot of my um When you were going times. through that and you were in difficult times, did you, did you know what your trigger was? Did you know, could you tell that you were in that space? I, and I know I'm speaking from, from a point of not knowing, a point of ignorance. That's why we're having this conversation so that I can learn. But when you're in a downward spiral and you're feeling more reserved and withdrawn and all that, do you actually physically and mentally know that you are in this space or is it everybody's outside of you? They're doing something different. 
does that make sense yeah yeah you definitely feel it like um so i mean there there are signs like when people start to withdraw from things that they've normally um been very active in like i i used to take part in a lot of sports um i stopped playing sports um you know i just got very um in like i didn't want to interact with anybody when i was going through it um, I would stay in my room for long periods of time. Uh, I was just, yeah, very to myself and isolated. Um, but ironically, it was during the time of the pandemic. So we were all sort of isolated during that time. And um, I just, yeah, I, I didn't really have um, many people to talk to about it. I sort of had to search for that help um, yeah, and start speaking up. A lot of people were finding help online. And yeah. so what you did to help you out, you put pen to pad. Tell us a little bit about your book and the writing process. Yeah. So, yeah, when I met, um, I had a mentor and her name was Deanna. Let's see, that. Let's see, let's see the book. You want to see the yeah. book? Yeah. So this is the book. Look at that. Speaking, Speaking up about mental health crisis. Pamela R. O'Neill. Perfect. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell me about it. Yeah, so my mentor, she introduced me to my publisher. And so my publisher had a course, it was called the Author Generator Society. And so it was a bunch of other authors who were in the space together. And we could meet with each other and share our stories with each other and get ideas. So that really helped me to open up and crack open my story and to get really focused in on what I wanted to write about. Um, because mental health, you know, while I was working in it, it um, wasn't something that I talked about a lot myself. Um, so yeah, so I needed other people to bring that out of me as well. Well, that was good. And you're able to be very helpful to others that are in that individual space. So what did you do? You sat down and you know, you had a cup of cookies and a cup of tea and you said, let me think about this. How did you weave in and out of your chapters and really try to format your book to make it, you know, comprehensible for people that maybe are going through it or never been through it at all? Yeah, so I really got clear um, by, you know, I just let everything go. I just, I didn't censor myself at all. Just whatever came to, I just wrote that down. And then we went back later and we, edited things throughout like making the chapters um because yeah if you if you open yourself up to just let things out um it's more tends to be more you know come from a more authentic place and you know I wasn't didn't want to censor myself in any way so I share my full story and everything you know even going back from my childhood and everything did you struggle during your childhood and just didn't realize what was going on? Parents didn't know, or it didn't, you know, really become an issue until you got in, you know, primary and older. Yeah, well, so my family grew up, uh, well, until I was the, the age of seven, my family was Jehovah's Witness. Um, so that was a very restrictive religion that I grew up in. Um, so I didn't really know how it affected me until later years, but yeah, it definitely makes you feel as a child, especially a little bit excluded. Um, like when I was in school and they would sing the national anthem, I'd have to go outside in the hallway 
and sit by myself. Yeah. Um, when there was, you know, anything festivities wise, Christmas, um, I wasn't allowed to partake. So it kind of instills in you, you know, that you're a little different from the get and then the, And then other kids can be, you know, they can be ruthless. But it's not just, I mean, it's not just you. I totally get it. I mean, but you think about the Muslim culture, you know, you think about some of the Asian cultures. So everybody has it rough, but what you did get, and I hope that you got out of all of that other doctrine stuff is a sense of connectivity with source, your own personal line, you know, because everybody is going to put their spin on it. That Bible's been around a long time, honey. And I know if I tell you something, you tell your sister something and you tell your cousin something, by the time it gets to your mother, it's a whole different story. Yeah. That's just yeah, your nature. So, you know, the, the religion, I get it, you know, and it was restrictive the way you have to, you know, some what you eat, some what you wear. If you don't conform, you get shunned from the whole family. It can be difficult. And then on top of that, you have a mental health challenge. So there's nobody that you really trust to talk to it about it because everybody already think you're strange. So you blossom like a lotus flower and you start working in the field and you write this book and you're feeling good about yourself. You're coaching people now, huh? Yeah. Um, so there's actually one other um, incident that I need to bring up because it was right before the pandemic and it was actually what spurred, um, you know, a lot of my inspiration for the book um, and speaking up. So I, when I was working at a, as a youth and family counselor, um, so there was a, a time where I felt unsafe at work as well. So I brought it up to my managers and was largely ignored. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was really hard to take because they told me that, you know, maybe something was wrong with me and that I needed to maybe change my own self. Um, so sadly, you know, I worked there for almost eight months and then I was let go. Um, but just shortly after that, a lady that, you know, we weren't really close or anything and I hadn't met her too many times, but, um, she was murdered mm. and she, yeah, so she was, yeah, she was killed at work by a youth who was in her head. Yeah, the same place I was working. Shut yeah. the front door. Girl, let me tell you, you got an angel watching over you. They got you out just in the nick of time. Yeah. So that's really where my, you know, when you're, you're talking about, um, you know, intuition and, you know, all those, I really have had to trust myself and learn how, you know, to, yeah, just trust in my abilities to know when something is wrong and to say something um, and that that is a large part of what I teach is you know sometimes you're scared you don't want to sit because there will be repercussions um, but the, there's a line I draw in the sand where if it's going to help somebody or save their life you know yeah, I have to say something you have to say you got to speak up you got to speak up and you will be protected for that you know that is oh wow that's pretty deep that's pretty deep so you write this book uh, you were going to read us a little excerpt, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Let me, let me pick up what you're putting down. Brains, pay attention. <laughs> Melissa, uh, I'm sorry, Pamela's about to read for us. <laughs> uh, so this is from chapter three. 
and it's called Where Does My Voice Beat Now? And um, at the end of every chapter, I share a song that resonates with me. So um, I'm not sure if you've heard of, well, you probably have. Um, so from Celine Dion's song, uh, Where Does My Heart Beat Now? Mm -hmm. so to march beat and dance to your own rhythm means you follow your own path and act in an individualistic way just as we are not all born looking talking or behaving the same we are not all meant to beat as one collectively our solo beats make up the harmonious song and dance of life what's your beat this chapter is focused on finding your center because to be yourself you have to know yourself and your beat I am not a musician, so before now I was unfamiliar with the lingo, but I had this idea that similarities might exist between how a song is structured and our lives. My mind likes to draw these connections and metaphors. So just like there's different types of musical beats and tempos, there is variety in each of us. Downbeat, upbeat, stress beat, non-stress beat, slow song, fast song. Whatever your beat is personality-wise, it sets the foundation for everything else you do your career relationships, and how you choose to show up in the world. And that is how I came up with the phrase living life a Dante to describe my beat. A Dante is a moderately slow tempo, a walking pace, which accurately explains the rhythm of my life, taking my time step by step and going along in an unhurried stride. I detest rushing anything. I like to smell the flowers and live for the moment, be contemplative, and proceed with thoughtfulness and care. The opposite of this would be living life allegretto at a fairly brisk tempo. If you are more this way, then you like things done quickly and you spend no time lollygagging, you're more upbeat and high energy. But recall from the last chapter that resilience is the ability to overcome obstacles and bounce back quickly from them. Marching to the beat of your own drum helps to create this resilience. So stay true to yourself and your beat, and this is how you will find what works best for you. Once you discover your beat and your voice, you will be able to answer these questions. Who are you? What are your passions? And what is your purpose? To find your beat and your voice, you have to know and believe in who you are, what your passions are, and what your purpose is. It takes a lot of soul searching. And when I studied journalism, I learned how to write about what was on the beat. This is an area of specialization where a reporter writes about a particular issue or topic they have a proven expertise in. By sticking to one area of interest, beat reporters are able to build a vast knowledge of their subject matter. It's the same as writing about what you know. So what I knew most from my own experiences at the time of writing this book was the suppression of my voice and how my mental health suffered because of it. Mental health was going to be my beat, a hot topic that affects every single one of us, and I am keen to learn and share how it can be improved. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's a symphony. It's a dance. Yeah. You know? And yeah, and that's like definitely how, how I've learned. Yeah, with my life. High beats and low beats and, you know, quarter beats and, you know, yeah, absolutely. And you have to orchestrate that. And it's all at different pitches, you know? And sometimes somebody just comes in with a cymbal. <laughs> It shakes everything up. So that was a beautiful metaphor. Thank you so much. I grabbed hold to that. And I I uh, personally wrestled with it because, you know, it's, it's tough. We're all going to have a meltdown brains. You know, some people have them, unfortunately, um, at work. 
They have them with their kids. They have them way too often. But what I've come to realize in 61 years is how you process stuff. It's how you process it. Okay. You got to be strategic. Is everything worth going from a flicker to a flame? You know what your triggers are. You know what makes you unhappy, the kind of people you're around, maybe what they're serving for dinner. But you know, after a certain point at a certain age, it becomes mechanical and you know what happens. And if you feel that there's something off, ask for help. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. You take a Tylenol when your tooth is hurting. You get some eye drops when your eyes are dry. You get some cough syrup when you, you know, when you're coughing. You know, go get checked in up here, your mental health. It's very important. It controls everything, brains. There's no shame associated with it. I can't tell you. And this guy was telling me what a nap and a, a snack would do for you. You know, when you're at that point, he said he was at that point where he was contemplating um, dying by suicide. And he said that he crawled up under his desk and took a nap. No, he, he talked to his girlfriend and he crawled up under his desk and he took a nap and he came out and he got him something to eat. And he said that, you know, that did wonders for him. So it's slow down, have the conversation, read a good book, listen to some good music, you know, work out at the gym, get something to get those endorphins and stuff firing. Wouldn't you agree, Pamela? Yeah, I totally agree. You know, we're all different in how we, the things that we like to do, but yeah, finding that one thing, you know, and also just one person that you feel safe with if you want to talk about it. Um, yeah, it's important to start the conversation. And yeah, and feel not judged by, let me, by let it. Let me ask you a question though. In all transparency, because again, I'm here to learn. You're in the mental health field, right? That's right. Were you drawn there because it was something you were familiar with? It was something you were passionate about? Um, it was something that you could learn from and maybe heal from yourself because psychologists usually go into psychiatry because they need, you know, they've been through a lot of psychological trauma. What was your, what, what made you want to work in the field? Was it the stigma? What, what was it? Was it all that? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, definitely the stigma, which is, yeah, which brings me back to my mission of wanting to end the stigma um, because so many people they're afraid to talk or say anything. And I want to help people be able to open up and share their stories. Um, it takes a lot of courage to do that, but I feel like, you know, we all have um, something to learn from each other. And, and if we're not sharing, you know, what we go through and all those difficult times, just as much as the happy times, you know, but it's a trust factor. Yeah. You, know, you can't trust everybody with your business. No. As my mother used to say, don't give somebody ammunition to fire you, to fight you with. Yeah. So it's building that trust before you start, you know, because you're not going to, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm April Mahoney and, you know, I have a challenge. People don't raise their hands. Or like when you go to a support meeting, hi, I'm Beverly and I'm an alcoholic or whatever the situation is people will judge you. If that's the first thing that you put out, get to know me first. Get to know the great things about me. How I laugh, what I like to eat, what kind of movies I like, the music I kind of like. That builds a relationship. 
that but don't just come out and tell somebody you know because then they'll look at you as a debbie downer and then they won't support you or they'll go behind your back and talk about you damn if you do damn if you don't yeah see and that's the that's the ideology that i'm trying to to change i guess a bit you know when someone does come out and say that they have an issue um to be perceived as a debbie downer that's really hard to to swallow you know um you know yeah yeah i understand you know leading with your best foot forward and putting you know your greatness out there and everything um but just knowing yeah be, being gentle with each other and understanding you know we all go through things so yeah just you don't know what the other person is going through like they they might be pretending that they're really happy but they're not and but see, so you don't, just, that's what i said you don't know because when yeah. you go out when you go out in town girl you know you send your representative <laughs> you got your makeup on you got your hair done your lipstick this that another you are at the peak of perfection and then when you come home and you unwrap all of this is that really um you know is that really what the person got again it's it's trust it's moving slow it's moving slow but having some fun with it too so let's talk about some fun stuff because this has been heavy 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 <laughs> what do you like to do for uh for fun and recreation yeah so i'm a golfer i love to golf i worked oh. in the golf industry for a while as well um yeah, so I really love doing that. And really any sport, it helps me with my mentality. Mm. And, you yeah. competitive? Uh, I can be. Good. Good. I can I can accept losing too, though. It's part good. of it. <laughs> I can drive a bean golf cart and pour the cocktails, but I'm not good. I tear up the greens. I don't, it's a real skill to golf. It re And people don't give it as much credit. It's not for, it's not for chumps you know and then when yeah you... I've played a few tournaments and I, I've actually yeah I've won a few I'm not a professional golfer but um it was just something I really enjoyed to get out and do you know it's something you can do by yourself too um yeah and you're just constantly improving your own game but do you so have that's... a cat do you like to cook I have a dog and his name's Harvey yeah and he's a two-year-old lab and yeah so spend a lot of the dogs are the best for the support. What would you do yeah. without Harvey? You don't know. Yeah, yeah, he's a sweetheart, and I, yeah, I spend a lot of time with my family and my parents, and yeah. Good. Do you like to travel? I do. Yeah, I love to travel. Oh, mm -hmm. see all these wonderful things. If you were an appliance in the kitchen, now what appliance would you be, <laughs> Pamela? Oh, hmm, that's a good question. Maybe the stove. Okay, why? Yeah, um, because that's where people spend a lot of their time in the kitchen is cooking around the stove, and you're, you know, you're that's where you're creating the meals. And I, very creative person, so I like, yeah, good because cooking is a meditation. Absolutely, I remember one time my daughter was mad at me, and I told her to go in there and cook dinner. And girl, she slammed the pots, the pans. Oh my goodness. She was cutting. I was hoping she didn't cut off one of them fingers. She was angry with me. So afterwards, she says, dinner's ready. And I said, oh, I'm not eating that. And she said, well, why not? I said, because you didn't make it with love. You made it with hostility. I'm not eating your hostility. So that's the same thing with life. You're brewing up something. You're, you're cooking up hostility. Don't do that. Try to be as kind as you can. It's work. Trust me. Okay? 
it's work, but it's worth it in the long run. And everybody's not going to be on your team and that's okay. Be able to accept a no and to be able to accept a little criticism because that's what we exude. Either work on it or blow it off, one or the other, but don't internalize it and get a copy of that book. Tell my brains, uh, Pamela, how to get in contact with you. If they want to work with you, coach with you, be online with you or get a copy of the book. Yeah, so if you would like to reach out to me, I do have a website and it's my author name. So PamelaRO'Neal.com. I also have Facebook and that's also my author name, Pamela R. O'Neill. I'm on Instagram at Speaking Up About Mental Health and also on LinkedIn at Pamela O'Neill. So you're welcome to reach out to me in any of those. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to put all your contact information at the back of the interview and also in the show notes. Um, can we purchase the book on Amazon? Yeah, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, both in Canada. Yeah, the book is available on Amazon, both in Canada and the U.S. No, it's put it at, up one more time. We want to see. Oh, it. put it up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Look at that. Speaking up about mental health crisis. Okay. It doesn't have to be a secret. There's no shame that has to be associated with it. You know, you got to get help. We all need help. So we all have a mental health crisis, whether we admit to it or not. Okay. So thank you so much, Pamela, for being here on the edge with me and my brains. We appreciate you. We value you. Brains, go in and subscribe to the channel. Pamela, you too. <laughs> Love, like, share, and subscribe. Love, like, share, subscribe. Um, if there's somebody that you know that needs some help, you know, build a relationship. Get to know the person first before you address the problem. Thank you so much, Pamela. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Bye, Brains. <laughs>